Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Oh my gosh, hi guys, how are you? You okay? We're figuring it out, right? Welcome to another episode of The Voices in Our Heads. The Voices in Our Heads. That's how I sing that song. Um, your host, Christina Marie Hutchinson. And sometimes before I record the podcast, and I'm recording it the night before, not even the day before. I'm recording it at night on Tuesday before this comes out. Again, real last minute. Um, Sometimes I'll look at funny videos that I've saved on Instagram to just get me in like a goofy mood so I could be like in a good zone for you because I care about you. And this video, if you don't follow Michael Rappaport on Instagram, I highly suggest it. He took this video the other day <laughs> of, of, I love how he yells. He just yells. He rants a lot and it's really funny. And he took a video, I guess it's at his mom's house, and I know you can't see this because it's a podcast, but just imagine a video of a big old beautiful golden retriever pissing on the floor. But I'm talking about like pissing two liters of Mountain Dew onto the floor, like violently pissing on the floor with a look on his face that's like, what? Okay, this is him yelling at the golden retriever pissing on the floor. It's so funny. And he's pissing the whole video. Okay, stop. We'll go out for a walk. Ma! Come get this fucking dog. It's pissing all over the floor. You know, look me in the face. I guess it's okay. Look at him right in the eye. Still pissing. All right, go take a, sh- take a shit while you're at it. Ma, come get Malone. The fuck? The dog. Oh, God. Oh, it's, it was peeing so much on the floor. Oh, so funny. Anyway, that's the zone I'm in. And somebody else, oh my God, somebody else DM'd me a video of, it was a, no, they DM'd me a photo. This girl sent me a picture and the photo was looking into her rear view mirror. She was waiting in line at a drive-thru, at a fast food place or whatever, to get food. And behind her, behind her was a guy in an electric wheelchair waiting in the drive-thru. Ain't nobody stopping him. Can't stop me. The guy was in his electric wheelchair line for the fucking, for the fast food. Oh, God. And I I didn't, I don't think she responded to me yet, but I I DM'd her back. I was like, please tell me you're in Florida. Please. I wanted to be Florida so bad. Oh, my God. Life is crazy. It's so silly. You got to look for the silly things, though. You got to tell the voices in your head that are mean and nasty to shut up. And then you could see all the silly shit. <laughs> so funny. Um, I I don't know how else to, I can't, there's no way to preface this. And I will go into the story at length next week because Justin Silver and I, who's a comedian and good friend of mine, um, both do podcasts. He has a couple. And uh, we're going to do like a joint double release podcast where we talk about the weekend we had. But basically, I met I met Madonna this weekend. I met Madonna. And all I'm going to say about it now is that I, before we drove to the place where we eventually met Madonna, 
I was in my apartment just rehearsing roughly, I don't know, 1,200 times saying hello to her. I was just walking around like, hi, hi, Madonna. Hi, hi, Madonna. Hi, Madonna. Madonna. Hi. No, I can't do that. Hi, Madonna. Hi, hello. Hello, Madonna. Hello, Madonna. Hi, Madonna. Eh, no. Hi, Madonna. Yeah. So... <laughs> Life is wild and life is crazy. And and in, in pure Christina Marie Hutchinson fashion, I met Madonna this weekend. That it's, it's uh, I would meet her. You know what I mean? It's just crazy shit happens to me. Shit just lands on my plate where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great story. Damn. The good, the bad, the ugly, the Madonna, all of it. I I mean, Wow. Okay, anyway, uh, we'll go into that. I know that's like a what the... Like when Justin called me and said, hey, we're going to go to this thing. Uh, Madonna's going to be there. I was like, no way. Wait, what? Madonna? Like Madonna. And I looked up her name because I was like, that's not a real name, her real first name. No, it is. It's Madonna. Because I was going to be like, ooh, what if I called her like Lisa or whatever her real name is? It's Madonna. You have to be famous if you're, you're born Madonna. Wow. Hey, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Madonna. Hi, Ma hi, Madonna. Madonna, hi. Hello. Hi, Madonna. Hi. Oh, hey, Madonna. That's See, that's why I should have been, like, nonchalant. Oh, hey, Madonna. And then she would have been like, why is this girl not freaking out? I like her. She's pretty cool. I'm not cool at all, you guys. I'm not cool at all. I try so hard to be cool. And you know what happens when you try hard to be cool? You're not that cool. Hey. Hey, I got an idea for you. Let's do some fuckaboy theater. This fuckboy theater is brought to you by, oh, this poor girl. Oh, God. This is a longer conversation, which is perfect for fuckboy theater. If you want to DM me screenshots of your terrible dating app conversations, email me at the voices in our heads, plural podcast, at gmail.com. And uh, it's very pertinent for me to read the timestamps, and you'll see why. Okay? Okay? Okay. <clears throat> Fuckboy Theater. Ready? May 1st, 10.32 p.m. Okay. I'm at a ranch this weekend, so service is limited. I'll talk to you Monday. May 1st, 10.58 p.m. Cool. Have fun, LOL. May 2nd, 12.19 a.m. GN, pretty lady. That means good night. May 2nd, 2.07 p.m. How are you, Kelsey? May 2nd, 6.58 p.m. Evening, beautiful. What are you up to tonight? I'm just hiking with a 100-pound weight for five hours. <laughs> okay, you piece of shit. May 3rd, 8.45 p.m. Like I said on Friday, I was at a ranch where there's no Wi-Fi and cell service is limited. It is paradise not being tethered to a phone. Let's try to put a good spin on it. May 3rd, 8.50 p.m. Quick responder. LOL, I live next to the woods, so when I want to go, I just put my boots on and my snake chaps on and an 80-pound vest. <laughs> wants you to know how hard he works and go into the woods where people can't get to or they risk getting snake bit what's your where's your ranch may 3rd 8 58 p.m 
The woods in the woodlands are different than 300 acres at peace and quiet where there are no neighbors making noise. May 3rd, 9.01 p.m. Oh, honey, there is plenty of snakes in the woods around Tumball and woodland woods. I hunt them by my knife. I should know. Smiley face with a ha- cowboy hat on it emoji. Smiley face with a cowboy hat on it emoji. Smiley face with a cowboy hat on it emoji. I'm sure I'm saying that two more times. May 3rd, 9.03 p.m. Spring Creek Nature Trails run for 13 miles, and trust me, with will the paths look safe? I've been to parts of that swamp that will make your knees shake. May 3rd, 9.04 p.m. But only with snake chaps on and boots, or you're out of your friggin' mind. May 3rd, 9.14 p.m. And, and, and hold, aren't you the one who's scared at night? And when did 300 acres become as wide as the African savanna? Oh, God. May 3rd, 9.15 p.m. Excuse me, Sahara Desert is 300 acres. May 3rd, 9.17 p.m. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. May 3rd, 9.17 p.m. Question mark, question mark, question mark. May 3rd, 9.18 p.m. Come on, Miss Big Mouth. May 3rd, 9.18 p.m. With the big balls. May 3rd, 9.18 p.m. Tell me something about being tough and about money. (laughs) May 3rd, 9.19 p.m. Because you apparently can talk trash, but you go in the woods at night and you need a, a wild army behind you, coward. May 3rd, 9.21 p.m. Just because you think you're brave and country ain't mean shit and I will tell you and your whole family that to their face and they would back down. May 3rd, 9.22 p.m. Because you know what? You ugly women, you're a coward and you don't amount to anything in this world. Whoa, sir. May 3rd, 9.23 p.m. What? You scared you're going to go hide in a hole now and cry? But he spelled hole. W-H-O-L-E. May 3rd, 9.23 p.m. Or are you going to say something? May 3rd, 9.24 p.m. I am waiting, you coward. Say something. May 3rd, 9.24 p.m. Come on, tough girl. Come on. Come on. May 3rd, 9.25 p.m. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm reading these verbatim. Come on. Again, verbatim. Come on. It's the same time stamp. That's why I'm not saying it again. Come on. Come on. May 3rd, 9.26 p.m. Little punk, little baby punk with no backbone. May 23rd, May 3rd, 9.26 p.m. Again. And quote that shit in the Bible, because it's the truth. You're a pink and a coward. Amen, loser. May 3rd, 9.46 p.m. Hey! May 3rd, 9.47 p.m. Hey! May 3rd, 9.51 p.m. You are so weak. One of the weakest people I ever met. 
You have no spine, no nerves, no balls, nothing. You're a spineless worm who I will never respect. Think highly of, well, actually said, think highly off or even, or fear. Even if you had everything in the world and I had nothing, I would never fear you because I know deep down inside you're a weak little girl putting up a front of being strong. And that's the truth because I am an alpha male, honey. I have fought and beat UFC fighters and you don't even know what it is like to spend 10 seconds in a ring with men like that because you would cry like a baby once they got near you. Gob bless you, limp dick worm. May 3rd, 10.08 p.m. Kelsey, sorry, whomever sent you all those messages, it was not me. I think someone got into my account. So sorry for the inconvenience. Have a nice day. May 4th, 1.09 p.m. Yeah, you showed your true colors last night. I'm not interested in someone with multiple personalities or someone who is a mean drunk. Bye now. May 4th, 1.09 p.m. Quick responder. Okay, block me! And scene. And scene, guys. Wow. Wow. That was a recent conversation with a person who actually thought the words in his head and then took the time to type them out with little fingers. And then he pressed it send. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. What the fuck? Oh, God. Life is hard out here for a woman. Okay, let's do a palate cleanser. This palate cleanser is courtesy of Don Lemon. This was uh, his final words on a recent episode of his CNN show that I'm just going to read to you because I liked it. And he's a very sexy man, and I liked the way he delivered it. I hope to do it justice. Um, but he's talking to none other than President Donald J. Trump. And he said, what is it about President Obama that really gets under your skin? Is it because he's smarter than you? Better educated? Made it on his own? Didn't need daddy's help? Wife is more accomplished? Better looking? I don't know. What is it? What is it about him? That he's a black man who's accomplished? Became president? That he punked you on the whole birth certificate thing? What is it about him? Just wondering. Oh, shit, Don Lemon, serve him. Damn, Don Lemon. Damn. I loved it. And there were so many pauses. He just looked right at the camera. And you know he was feeling himself when he was doing it. I was like, yes, I am inspired by the magic of Don Lemon. I I posted, I do Fuckboy Fridays on my Instagram every week. Sometimes I forget or like I'm too busy, but like most weeks. And uh oh, there's a girl looking in my window from the outside. I don't like that. Um and hi Kevin. And this guy commented on the recent Fuckboy Friday video from this past Friday. And he was like, basically the gist was, you know, you're you're portraying men like assholes. You know, it's I'm kinda tired of this, whatever. I'm like, oh in my head, I was like, Oh, you're tired of it, sir? You're t- oh, are you tired of it? Are you tired? Of- but, you know, I, I spent some time and I took some seconds to think about what I wanted to say to him. Highly recommend it. Just try it. 
People on the internet should try it. And I said, I hear you. However, what did I say? Hold on. Let me, let me, let, fuck these, uh, fuck these uh, summaries. Because I was really annoyed and upset. But then I took some time to think about it. And I was like, I'm going to th- respond thoughtfully. Oh, and I'm going to be impeccable with my word. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, yo. This is what he said. Why are you always portraying men as sleazy dirtbags? Sure, we are at times, yes. But doing this over and over, comedic trope or not, is so irresponsible. I hate to sound like a dweeb, but how would you react to some dude posting videos where he portrays women as crazy, hormonal, and insecure? <laughs> I don't know, man. I hate being the serious guy over some dumb shit that's meant to be funny i just thought somebody ought to say it whether it gets a positive acknowledgement or not shrug emoji okay and and what i wanted to say was oh did i hurt your feelings but i didn't say that because i took some seconds to think and what i said was i hear you as at philanthropy and gal and i always say women can be pieces of shit too that's a quality. I encourage screenshots where the women is acting like a maniac. I've had a couple guys send me convos that were nuts and I've read them. But 99% of the convos they they are they sent me to on a daily basis are from women dealing with what you hear me read. I have a lot of amazing men. I feel lucky to call my close friends who are kind, intelligent, secure, and fun. I would like to assume my audience already understands that these are a very, a very specific type of guy, one that every gal has de- dealt with at least 27 times in her life. I do this to poke fun and to spread awareness in hopes that a guy who is of the fuckboy ilk will watch and perhaps somewhere deep down in his heart he'll ask himself, should I be better? Hashtag, be best. And that's what I said. Instead of going, you know, trying to be impeccable with my word. I'm trying to practice what I preach. And, you know, after reading the four agreements 27,000 times, that's an exaggeration. But, you know, we're in a weird time. Uh, I, it's finally starting to happen. Repetition makes the master, baby. That's going to be the title of this episode. Hold on, let me write that down. Repetition makes the goddamn master. Anyway. I love when the local news lets us know that the town's morgues are overwhelmed. It's like, yeah, I mean, we kind of all assume that you don't really have to, you know, say it out loud. It's kind of bleak. It's not that I don't want to know, but it's like, if you polled people on the street and you were like, hey, um, for $100, would you guess that the town's morgues were overwhelmed? Everyone would say, yeah. Everyone would say, yeah. Everyone would say, yeah. You try to run run alongside of a, of a person in an electric wheelchair and ask them and they'd say, And then they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Thank you for my $100. Oh, man. Something else I did last week. In addition to meeting Madonna. Oh, God. Uh, I signed up and paid money to watch a webinar about branding and connecting to an audience. Even though I figured I had a good idea, but my manager sends out these links to these you know, online courses you could take. And they're very helpful. So I was like, I'm going to take one. I'm going to educate myself. It lasted for 90 minutes. I paid money to watch it. Was on Instagram the entire time. Didn't hear a word they said. I was like, that's not, okay. We didn't retain any of that, huh? Shit. Houston? Houston, are you there? Houston, it's a webinar. Top, you paid for this. Are you going to waste your money? Yeah, okay, cool. Scrolling on Instagram? You can just do that outside later? Okay. 
Uh, I will say, um, every time I go outside, unless it's a smoke cigarette, uh, I wear a face mask. And the face mask kind of rules because you know how I was saying earlier last week, whenever I said it, time doesn't exist. I don't know. It's fake. I made up um, that I'll talk to Kevin and I'll like, you know, air out my feelings to him in a calm voice when he annoys me. And that really helps me process it and not actually be annoyed with him. Very helpful. These fucking face masks that we wearing right now. Sometimes I'll whisper things at people while I'll whisper, yell them at people. They can't hear it, but I can hear me say it. Things that I don't actually want to say to the person because I'm kind of a pussy like that. Like I'm not, I'm not that kind of like, but when someone's walking outside without a mask, it pisses me off unless they're smoking a cigarette or jogging. It pisses me off because I'm looking for a reason to get pissed off. I'm looking to feel better than somebody, okay? So that's why I don't really want to say it to them, even though they are being irresponsible. That's their fucking problem. Me yelling at them ain't going to do shit. And then it might get me beat up. And the, I bought pepper spray from a guy who had a table of pepper sprays in animal print in Queens off the subway. But I don't know if that shit works. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to use it on a person without wearing a mask. But what I'm saying is I don't want to get into a fight. So if I, whenever I see people without masks on, I look them dead in the eye. And I whisper yell. I'm like, where's your fucking mask, you fucking idiot? You trying to murder me? It's funny because like I can see your head and yet it shoves so far up your asshole. Huh, maybe you have two heads. And I just say that, I'll whisper yell it into my mask. They can't hear me. I, I, I thought at first that you had to wear a mask while exercising, like running and ro- I don't run because fuck that shit. But I rollerblade and it's cardio, baby. It's cardio. And I, for the first couple of times I did it, I wore my mask, but I'm like, yo, I cannot breathe with this thick ass mask and I'm going <gasps> like it's not I can't do it and I would go to like blade off into a path somewhere in the woods to just breathe for a second put the mask on then I looked it up and you don't really have to wear a mask on your exercising oops but I went blading this morning I woke up well 1 p.m is when I woke up um and and I, I wanted to go rollerblading and I was like oh I should probably take heaven but I was like, you know what? No, I don't I don't really want to take Kevin. Well, first I wanted to smoke a little weed. I took a puff of a joint. So I don't usually smoke weed during the day. Um, but I really do like doing that and rollerblading. It's just fun. And then I took one little puff, one little puff, 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 pass back to me, puff, just one. Okay, two. And then I, I looked at Kevin and I was like, I can't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna carry you in your backpack while I'm stoned. I'm not I wasn't really that stoned, but I was like, I'm a responsible parent. And I also want my alone time and Kevin's just gonna stay here. And then when I get back, I'm gonna take him for a walk. And I did, and he loved it. But when you wear your face mask, so I brought my face mask with me today for the sole purpose of, cause I was a little high, so I was like a little playful, right? For the sole purpose of blading a little slower so I'm not like breathing fast, so I'm not like, you know, suffocating myself. And air drumming to my Babes on Blades playlist, which I've been adding songs to, dude, if you can't dance by the Spice Girls, seriously, one of the greatest songs ever. I know if you're like, I like um, Radiohead's fifth album song. Go fuck yourself, okay? I think it's one of the greatest songs. It's one of my favorite Spice Girls songs if you can't dance. I just added that to the Babes on Blades playlist. Let me make a note to put that on the resource section of my website in case you want to like go on it. Babes on Blades. If I don't write it down, I won't do it. Babes on Blades resource. Okay. Um, but I, I brought my face pass with me so I can violently lip sync to the songs while air drumming. 
and it's New York. You know what I mean? You can't really look crazy here because there's so much crazy, especially now, that whatever you do, no one gives a shit. It's like, whatever. And so I had my face mask on. I was a little stoned. And I was listening to If You Can't Dance by the Spice Girls. And I was I was air drumming. And it was, it was just the, it was the shit. Oh, I was so happy. It was so great. So great. Don't listen to Pink Floyd while you rollerblade if you, st- if you smoke a little weed, if you're a pro like me and you smoke a little weed beforehand because you won't make it past your block. I mean, I tried that the other day and it, uh, I was just like, what? Okay, I'm going to go back inside and go to bed. <laughs> love Pink Floyd. Um, I love it. I love it. Dude, did you know that the MyPillow guy, his name is Mike Lindell, he wrote a memoir and it's called What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO? And I was like, wait, yo, hold up. The MyPillow guy was a crack addict? Hell yeah, look at that progress. And I was laughing. I, I saw this commercial for his book. It was late. It was like three in the morning. I was watching something on Hulu with commercials. And um, and they were playing this commercial for Mike Liddell, the, the, the MyPillow guy. And, and I was like, damn, he was a crack addict? That's... That's a wow. Okay, he j- that's great. I mean, that he's not anymore, and that he loves pillows. He just wants you to get a good night's sleep. And then I went on his website to do more research because I had to know more. And it said purchasing the presale of my book today is going to help. Because lo- I was going to make fun of him like royally, um, but then I saw on his website purchasing the presale of my book today is going to help launch the Lindell Recovery Network. It is a revolutionary platform that I have been working on for a couple of years, which will give addicts hope, help, and mentorship. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. However, I will say, as somebody who wrote half of a book, but half is better than zero. Okay. It's called Fucked, Being Sexually Explorative and Self-Confident in a World That's Screwed. Harper One. Thank y'all. Um, you have to get pre-sales up. The, the number that you want when you write a book, the number that you want to push the most is pre-sales. Because if you have a shitload of pre-sales, the, the odds of you getting on a New York Times bestseller list or other bestseller list are very high. Pre-sales, it's a lot of politics, whatever, because everything fucking is. But pre-sales are really important. And, uh, and so... I read that and I was like, oh, that's really nice. That motherfucker just trying to get on that New York Times list. That's funny. But that's not, but it's also nice, you know? It's like we, they win-win, I guess. And then he showed up at a White House press meeting to announce he's making cotton face masks. Trump just like stepped aside and then Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, just comes up to the podium and he's like, hello, Mike Lindell used to be a crack addict. And I was like, damn, dude, you totally used to be a crack addict. That's, I just wouldn't have guessed. Cause you're you love pillows so much, but I guess crack addicts might like pillows because um, don't you get the sleeps or is that heroin? Ugh, the few drugs that I don't know about. <laughs> um, but there's this there's this plug he like going on a doing a press conference with the president. That's a sick plug for your book, boo. Damn, your publicist is doing the right thing. And then I saw a YouTube video and it was called the, there's <laughs> the title of the YouTube video was the truth about Mike Lindell's ex-wife. And I was like, oh, I mean, okay, not going to not watch that. If I had to, sh- if I was about to shit my pants, but I want, but I just discovered this YouTube video called truth about my pillow guy's ex-wife, I would wait. I would, ho- I would find the energy to hold in my diarrhea to watch this video and you might be thinking to yourself, Christina, just bring your phone to the toilet. Nah, because I want to pay attention. 
you know here's the video <laughs> oh come on you were just doing it Hello, Bubble. In 2013, he married his girlfriend of two years, Dallas Yoakum, only to divorce her weeks later. Aww. As he told the Star Tribune that year, the couple was driving together in July, just one month after their nuptials, when Yoakum dropped a bombshell. Uh oh. She said, Just leave pillows. me alone, or you're going to hear something you don't want to hear. And of course, I said, Your pillow sucks. What do you mean? And she looked at me while I was driving and said, I don't love you. I never loved you. You're boring. We don't have anything in common, and you've ruined the last two years of my oh life. My Michael God. and Dell filed for divorce days after Dallas Yoakum's <laughs> diss, and she left the state with her brother. When with her brother? When back at their photos together, he noticed his wife never looked happy. That's when he realized it may have been all about money for her. Though Yoakum allegedly ran off with her wedding ring, expensive jewelry, and bitch. money she got from her position as MyPillow's director of customer service, Lindell oh, eventually got the closure he needed when friends of hers told him it had been a scam the entire time. Oh. Luckily for him, Yoakum signed a prenup. As Thank he attempted God. to heal from his breakup, Lindell told the outlet that he was doing his best to finish his autobiography, but it would need a different ending. The book was supposed to actually end on the former couple's wedding day. Oh, that sucks. Lindell joked to the Tribune, Now that book is going to end with her telling me I'm boring, and then oh. there's book two, which I'm living now. We don't know how oh. that's going to turn out. Mike Lindell's disastrous love life didn't start with his failed marriage to Dallas Yoakum. Oh, the no. The Michael guy apparently also had a tumultuous fallout from his first wife, Karen Dickey. Vicky and Lindell were married for about 20 years before they called it quits. Oh, that's solid. Lindell's addiction to cocaine, crack cocaine, and alcohol. Uh -oh. The former couple had four kids together. The now successful CEO succumbed to his habits for a big They're part of his life. showing him a photo when he did crack. He lost his Not great. Home because of them. Oh. But in January 2009, now he vowed to get sober, and he's been clean since. Lindell revealed all the details about his past drug use in a candid 2017 interview with CNBC. He credits his faith for helping him overcome addiction, saying, I look back now and I go, the only way that we were able to do that was divine intervention. I mean, you did it, After Mike Lindell. After experiencing some lows in his personal life, Mike Lindell met his current girlfriend, Kendra Reeves, in 2014. Oh, please stay with him, Kendra. In addition to bringing happiness back into his life, Lindell said that Reeves also restored his religious faith. Aww. The Minnesota native's journey intensified when, in 2017, he attended a spiritual retreat to explore his feelings. Nice. He told hey, salvation hey. Good on you, men with feelings. God, I love this guy. I went in there with the hope that I would get what Kendra had, this relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. I totally surrendered. It was the most amazing thing for me. Since that time, I can now talk about Jesus Christ in the same way I used to talk about a pillow. Crack. Oh. I talk about it with the same passion. We're not sure if the lovebirds are together as of this video, but Lindell did Wait post a that. photo with Reeves at the White House's 2019 Christmas party. Cover up. All's well that ends well, we suppose. Like it's your only pillow, and every customer like it's your only customer. I mean, that's an amazing concept. I mean, how? <laughs> the last two years of our relationship sucked for me because I hate you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll see you later. <laughs> and the and the fact that he didn't go back to crack after that that's that takes some that takes some some cojones, you know? Because with drugs, it's like they help you escape, and then when your wife you've been married for a fucking week, 
And she's like, yeah, I don't really like you. Sorry. He's like, oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. All right, see ya. Thank God for that prenup, boo-boo. Mike Lindell, quarantine king, coming in with that prenup. Good for you, boo. You earn that fucking money. You make those pillows. And this is, oh, I wish I could tell this to that guy who commented on my Instagram. With prenups, fuck that. If that chick got all of his money, oh, what a bitch she would have been. Like, that would have pissed me off on his behalf. Just because he's the guy doesn't mean that he didn't work hard and deserves to keep all of his money. It doesn't sound like that chick really was helping him with his riches. I mean, she, I guess she had a, a position at the MyPillow, but all of her friends were like, yeah, she was only with you because like, he made a pillow and like, you're really, really good and you had a lot of money. But then why would you marry him if there was a prenup? I guess, I guess when he, oh man, can you imagine Mike Lindell so excited about his wedding and he was nervous on how to bring up the prenup situation to his new beloved, but not really beloved because she didn't really like him the whole time. And he was like, you know, she'll love me. She'll sign this. And then she signed it. And then she was like, yeah, I'm good. I got to go. This, I was lying. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Um... It's almost going to be 7 o'clock and you're going to hear everybody yell. And I'm not outside because I went outside rollerblading and there wasn't a lot of people, but then there started to be a lot of people. And I, I have noticed that standing across from the hospital while the firefighters are there, although it's the fire of fires up my loins, makes me feel like a woman again, um, refills my bones with the sexual fervor of a 13-year-old boy. It really does. I'm not joking. That's how I feel. I am absolutely salivating from all the places when I do this. It's getting real crowded, so I got to, yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. I think I need a response. Also, I had to record this. And um, it's kind of cold out. But mostly it's because I didn't want, you know, to do that. Remember when I met Madonna? Jesus Christ. So I wanted to touch base with the last portion of the book. Okay, Kevin. Yeah, just play with your loudest toy right in front of me. That's good. No, I like it. No, it's okay. It's good. No, just fucking keep doing it. Throw it on the floor from the highest point you can jump. Okay? <laughs> He's so cute. God, I fucking love him. Yesterday, I just looked at him and I was crying, but tears of joy. And I was just like, you're my best friend. And he is. He's the shit. Anyway, um, we've done all four of the agreements. However, the last chunk, the last couple sections of the four agreements by Quarantine King Don Miguel Ruiz is my favorite part. And I'm going to read, um, what is it? Chapter seven, technically. It's called The New Dream. I'm going to read that in full to you. But um, before that section of the book, they talk about the Toltec path to freedom. And there's just a couple things that he said that I really just want to reiterate, emphasize, repeat it in your mind so that we can all be better people. It's hard work, but someone's got to do it. You're welcome. But he talks about the dignity of rebellion and he talked uh, rebelling against the parasite and the dream of the planet, which are, I guess, the same thing, really. <clears throat> it's not Corona, it's allergies. <clears throat> it's allergies. But I like that, the dignity of rebellion. There is dignity in rebellion. I used to think, you know, some kind, sometimes rebellion uh, comes out in a way that you're like, there's no dignity in that. You could see it. But, but in, in, in its purest sense, the fire in your heart that says rebel, there, that's a beautiful, that's dignity. 
Creativity is also dignity. Just want to say that again. Um, and then he says, true freedom has to do with the human spirit. You are free to be and love who you really are, but oftentimes you stop yourself because within the dream of the planet, if we're still all brainwashed, we are not free to love who we really are and be who we really are because it's like, what are they going to think? What is she going to think? What are they going to think? Uh, if I don't get pussy, I'm not a man and I'll die. Hello? 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 <laughs> Ugh. But seriously, you have the power to set yourself free by uh, these four agreements are uh, repeating them every day as often as you remember to do it. Write them down on a sticky note. Put them on your pooch, your coot. I was going to say coot, whatever. Put them wherever you want where you're going to see them. And just that's that's how you change your life. Seriously, it's so fucking easy, guys. It's not that it's it's not that hard. A lot of the shit that I'm talking about, like, it's not that hard. It do, does it feel great all the time. Hell no. But that's okay. Oh, and then he says, this is a great line. We are addicted to being the way we are. Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. We are addicted to being the way we are because it's comfort. It's safety. It's what we know. It, we don't, and a lot of times, if your head's so far up your own butthole... You don't even know that there's options to be anything else than what you currently are. Guys, time and space is made up and you can manufacture your own personality. You take traits that you like and you think are cool and how you would love to be and that's unique to you. And you do, you just change it. Change it, change it. He talks about when we get married in society, a lot of times people will say, depending on the religion and the culture you're in, but when we get married, we lose our freedom. But I strongly believe here, this is a great example. You can find freedom in a marriage or in a, I've never been married. So I'll say in a relationship. I was in a relationship for seven years, which felt like a marriage. Thank God we didn't get married. Woo! Because your girl was too dumb to do a prenup thing and I would have lost all my money i have no more money because i gave it to my ex uh but you can find freedom in a relationship and part of that freedom like so so when people say oh when we get married we lose our freedom what you're talking about for the most part most times yeah kevin just you know nibble on the wire um is is your sexual freedom and your romantic freedom and your freedom for new experiences whatever and look you I guess nobody can have it all, but you kind of can if you find the right person. Like, how great is it if you could find, if you are a person, because some people, a lot of people are monogamous, but a lot of people aren't. But they are brainwashed because monogamy is just the way to be when you're married. We all assume it. We don't even have a conversation about it. We just assume we're going to be monogamous because that's what everybody does and I'm a person and I'm going to do that. But if that does not serve you to who you are, man, woman, trans, any of the things, any of what, whoever, you're a human. But if you don't feel, if you feel like monogamy is a chain trapping you, that is worth exploring and asking yourself a little bit more, some more questions because it is totally possible that's why like people I, I i i cheating is so prevalent cheating in relationships and it's like well obviously if monogamy was the right idea no one would be cheating 
But because people are cheating, there's, it's, there's something deeper. It's worth exploring, okay? And if you are a person that believes that sexual monogamy doesn't really make sense for the rest of your life, that's, in my opinion, not the craziest thing to believe. But talk about it. Because the odds are your partner might want to get her dick, get dicking down too. Do you know what I mean? You're both human beings. And sometimes the sex drives don't, aren't the same in partnerships. And a lot of times, because I, I mean, obviously, I know I live in New York City and I'm a liberal and thank you and I'm better than anyone else. But I do live in a town where it's just more comfortable to be yourself. New York City is such a beautiful place to be. When our governor of New York and our mayor talks about the coronavirus and the lockdowns and he includes trans people, he includes everyone in the LGBT community and he tells every everybody of every color, creed, everything, you matter. You matter. You really do. And so I know I live in this kind of bubble, but it's a bubble with, you know, six million people. So a lot of people in that bubble. Maybe there is something to the way we think. But, but anyway, what I'm saying is... Um, it's totally possible for you to find a partner and to express honestly what your thoughts are on monogamy. And and how great would it be if you met a partner and you fell in love and you yourself know that monogam sexual monogamy, for example, because that's my thing. Sexual monogamy, I I don't um I don't know that I would forever want to be monogamous. If say I met somebody tomorrow and we get married and we stay together for the rest of our lives. I just truly, I don't, the idea of being sexually monogamous, just the idea of it feel, makes me feel trapped. And I remember when I dated my ex of seven years, we had a really great sex life. And one of the things that I had said to him early on was, uh, I don't know, like monogamy, we both listen to Dan Savage, the Savage Love cast. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, I don't know if monogamy is like, monogamy is I, I think i said it very coyly and shyly because i was like kind of trying to gauge him out i'm like i don't know if monogamy sexual monogamy is like the best coolest idea and he was like yeah i hear you i'm like and just that just that understanding and that conversation made me feel like i had freedom within our relationship and then it wasn't until years later where we you know did the stuff listen to guys we fucked for all that guys 35 dollars a year get the luminary app luminary.links.gwf this isn't an ad i just i really want to push this because i truly believe that that podcast is amazing um and but and it details all of these topics that i'm talking about but you know people assume well you know maybe i'm not i don't believe in sexual monogamy but i'm too scared to say that to my partner because everybody believes in sexual monogamy motherfucker no they don't everyone's just too scared to say shit i understand why Going against the grain is not easy. However, in in in, in, a, in a, this is just an, a really good example of freedom and how you can break free of the parasite, the dream of the planet. If you're somebody who wants to fuck other people, maybe down the road, or just have that as an option, and not have your partner be like, "What?" Have a conversation, and who knows, you might find that they are in agreement of you, and how much better and more beautiful the relationship would you have. Now, if they don't agree, that's okay too. However, it's worth having the conversation. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Children, when I wrote this quote down, very, very children, every, ch every children, I don't know what I wrote. Children are not afraid to express what they feel. They're so loving that if they perceive love, they melt into love. They are not afraid to love at all. That is the description of a normal human being. Again, that is the description of a normal human being, Houston. As children, we are not afraid of our future or ashamed of the past. 
Our normal human tendency is to enjoy life, to play, to explore, to be happy, and to love. Oh, I love that. I love, love, love that sentence. Why are adults not wild? From the point of view of the victim, we can say something sad happened to us. And from the point of view from the warrior, we could say that what happened to us was normal. I think that is such an important quote uh, for me to remind myself. I'm going to repeat it. From the point of view of the victim, we could say something sad happened to us, i.e. as a child. Oh, mommy didn't look at me weird. Mommy looked at me. She was sad, whatever. And and, uh, I've heard the gamut of stories from people's childhoods and there's some terrible shit that has happened to people and then there's other shit that it's not technically that terrible and the person telling me goes well i know i wasn't like raped by my dad i'm like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. that's okay just because you weren't you didn't have that happened to you doesn't mean your feelings aren't valid but i'm so you know me you know if you've listened to me for a while you know that i'm kind of obsessed with figuring myself out and and when i read that part of the story or that this these words We could say something sad happened to us, or if we're a warrior, we could say what happened to us was normal. And I gotta say, after hearing, uh, talking to a lot of strangers from all around the world about the, the, the adverse experiences that they've, they've, they've experienced, really killing it with the word selection. This is normal. Sad things that happened to us in childhood are normal. It sucks that it's normal, but you know what's rare? Growing up in a healthy fucking household. I know one person who did. That's it. One person. Corinne Elizabeth Fisher. That's it. The judge and the victim and the belief system inside our heads don't allow us to be who we really are. And again, the judge and the victim and the belief system, these are all, these, this is shit we learn. You know, when you're a kid and you're like, I don't give a fuck. And then you learn to give a fuck because you see your parents giving a fuck or your guardians give a fuck or your classmates give a fuck or your boys give a fuck about shit that you don't even give a fuck about, but you're like, oh, I should do that, I guess. I should give fucks about that thing. Okay, I will. 23 years later, uh, not great. Breaking these old agreements is hard. You've been repeating them your entire life. You need to practice your new agreements over and over. Repetition makes the master. If we allow our emotions to deplete the energy we have each day, oh, that's a great quote, we have no energy to work on ourselves. Take those antennas, guys, and bend them inwards. Do bo- bend them both inwards. We're in quarantine. Work on yourself. Forgive people who have hurt you, not for them, but for yourself. You're not, you don't lose if you forgive somebody for hurting you. You win. But society will have us, yeah, Kevin, no, just eat the microphone. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. No, you picked a great time. We were playing for a lot today, but now you want to do that? Mm, That's good. Oh, and this, I love this line. You will know you have forgotten someone when you see them and you no longer have an emotional reaction. That is the goddamn truth, Don Miguel Ruiz. That is the goddamn truth. If they still, if you think of them or someone mentions them and you go, Ugh, maybe not out loud, maybe in your head, then you've not forgiven that person. And I think part of forgiving somebody is accepting that that's what they did. And whew, cannot repeat this enough. It's not personal. Their behavior and actions towards you has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. God, this book rules. When someone can touch a wound and it no longer hurts you, then you'll know you have truly forgiven. Oh, that is a great fucking quote. You must learn to control your emotions. I know, okay? So that you have enough personal power to change your fear-based agreements. 
controlling your emotions, guys. But feelings are clues. My therapist always says this to me. Because sometimes I'll get annoyed with myself. I'm like, why did that make me upset? Like, logically, I know it's fine, you know? And, and these four agreements, I talk, to, I talk to my therapist about these four agreements a lot. Um, that the, the, the argument I was having with a, a close person in my life, I kept telling her, I'm like, it's not personal. It's not personal. And she was like, well, I know it's not personal, but it's hurting you. I'm like, I, I know. But what I'm saying is, I'm reacting as if she's doing this to piss me off. And that's not the case. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt me because it hurts me and that's fair and that's valid and that's cool to express. However, I, I just, I'm just repeating it to myself, really. I'm not trying to tell you or convince you, but like I, I need to keep saying that to remind myself that this person, every second of this person's life up until the point that we had a conversation that we'd had that was an argument led to, to the things being said. That's just logic. And it, and it helps me not get as upset. It helps me to not get as upset, you know, but it, it'll, and it allows me to, to get upset in the right way. I, I, don't, I don't, I guess if that makes sense. Um, meaning if you say something that hurts me, I'm usually, I'm just so focused on, they tried to hurt me and they were doing this to me. No, 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 that's not it. They said something that really upset you. Maybe across the line, maybe it was disrespectful. Maybe you feel bullied, whatever it is. And it's valid to be upset over that and to express your feelings, but it's not, don't get caught up in the web of, they're just sitting there calculating how they can hurt Christina. No, bitch. They ain't thinking about you like that. And if they are, that's on them, okay? Okay? We suppress our emotions when we lose control, not when we're in control. Oh, hit me. We suppress our emotions when we lose control, not when we're in control. That's an interesting concept, right? When we're in control, oh yes, here we go. Um, yeah, the, and this this kind of explains it. This line explains it. Because when I first heard that sentence, I was like, wait, what? We suppress our emotions when we lose control, not when we're in control. The main difference between a warrior and a victim is that the victim represses and the warrior refrains. Refrain being the key word, motherfuckers. Because it's not like the warrior doesn't feel emotions, but the warrior refrains. And they go, okay, let me just sit with this and process it and then figure out how I feel about it. I'm not going to explode on you in this moment because I need to collect myself because what you said was fucked up. Those are not Don Miguel Ruiz's words. Anyway. Victims are afraid to feel and say and express. Oh, that's so true. Because the times where, and I, uh, uh, let me tell you, I felt bad for myself for a while. Uh, with this childhood trauma shit, I personally, hi, Kevin, these are the stages that I, I, I experienced with childhood trauma, with what I experienced. I went up until maybe about 22, 21, 22, not thinking that anything I experienced was weird. And so the depression and anxiety I had, I was just like, well, I guess there's something wrong with me. Because as a child, when a parent, parental figure is not giving you what you, the child needs, the child's nervous system, my therapist repeats this to me all the time in an effort to explain to me and to reiterate that it's not my fault. I didn't do this on fucking purpose. Our brains and our bodies are actual, actually amazing, beautiful things that help us survive. So when mommy was looking at me weird, whatever fuck that was happening, you know, in those moments when that was happening, I had to, my brain automatically went to, 
oh my God, it's me. I'm doing something wrong because I could not handle the emotion. A child cannot handle the feeling that the parent who's supposed to love them and care for them and, 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 and feed them and clothe them and shelter them. A child cannot feel the feeling that the parent is just not capable of taking care of you. It's too big for a child's uh, nervous system. So what they do is, well, it must be me. Now I can help. Okay, let me try and see if I could. So that's, that's just fucking science, okay? That's not even, that's, that's science. That is scientifically what is happening in child, with, when childhood trauma. Or at least that's what is happening with my experiences. I don't want to put that on everybody because I don't, I don't know. You know? Um, but, but one of the things, okay, so the, oh, the, the phases, sorry, I lost where I was. Um, the phases of my, what happened is up until 21, 22, I thought everything that happened in my life was normal and that I was sad because it was my problem. Uh, and then I talked to a professor at my college and I told her about the suicide attempt that I had experienced the night before I moved away to Penn State. <laughs> and she was like, uh, are you in therapy? And I was like, no. And she was like, you should go. And I was like, okay. Um, luckily, I, w- I was certainly not closed off to that. And I went and then they put me in that they did an intake appointment. This place I went to, I went to, I was like free therapy. And it wasn't exactly free, but it was sliding scale. They they have an initial meeting with you and then they pair you up with the par- therapist. And then the par- therapist at the end of the first session with my new therapist that they paired me up with, she goes, well, now I know why they put you in the trauma unit. And I was like, wait, what? And it took me about two years to even realize, to even honestly admit that what what happened to me was traumatic because it by I thought that if I admitted that, then I was also saying that my mom was a bad mom and a bad person. And that was not, I couldn't, child thinking and trauma thinking is very black and white. You're either good or you're bad. There's no in between. So, so I thought that, succumbing to the the idea that what i experienced was traumatic was also saying that my mom was a bad person and she's just not and so i I've, it took me a couple of years to un untangle that okay and then i was in a relationship for seven years with a person i love very very much but i look back at my behavior in that relationship a lot of times when you get into fights or i would just i would want his attention and you know i show i showed my, those colors like you know years in because i wanted him to think i was just the perfect person and and but I would like he would be downstairs working and I would be upstairs and I would want his attention I wouldn't act really know why I couldn't tell why but I wanted him but not just any attention like I kind of wanted him to feel bad for me it it would just happen out of the blue and I would or I don't know really what was happening maybe that maybe I'm I'm discrediting myself I don't really know what was happening those times but I look back and I go well that wasn't normal I would stomp my feet like a child and throw a temper tantrum and scream and have a panic attack and scream into pillows and then he would go, are you okay from upstairs? And for whatever reason, that would make me be even more upset, even though what I wanted was for him to come up and hug me. So that happened for a while. And then when I broke up with him, no one, I, a lot of, I don't think a lot of people thought I had the balls to do it. And I didn't think I had the balls to do it because I was, we were so codependent and intertwined with each other. But I did, I had the guts, I had the cojones, I had the ovaries, I had the titties to do it. I did it. And I was very proud of myself, even though it was really sad. And, um, and then I went through the, God, when did I break up with him? I don't know. Probably like three years, maybe? Again, time, it's fake. And, but those years, up until I would say six months ago, I have been very depressed and sad and anxious and all this stuff. But that was me processing 
after I accepted what happened to me was trauma, and then I started researching it and all that stuff, and I go, okay, I see what you're saying, and a lot of this does resonate with me, but I, I still feel bad. Just therapy, man. Years of therapy finally have worked because I finally feel really good, and I haven't felt really good in a while, and is like a long while but so the trauma the whole overcoming childhood trauma shit it it goes in phases and i imagine that the lengths of these phases are different for every single person but somebody somebody dm'd me on instagram the other day and i read it and she was saying her father just passed away and she's just now realizing that her childhood was fucked up and she was asking me if i had any advice blah blah blah. i'm like and i was telling her about the stages i'm like look that's a great that's that stage don't feel great because you're like wait what the fuck was i getting tricked like it feels like you're getting tricked and that's also a victim mentality perhaps um at least i felt like the way i talked to myself in that way it felt victimy and and one of the reasons i was depressed for the past three years was like i just i was i felt bad for myself i felt bad for the child me during those i felt bad for myself during those times that my mom was you know that, that that i experienced really intense shit and during those times, as I was experiencing it, I was cool as a goddamn cucumber because that's what I had learned to do. I didn't process that until years later. And I'm real clutch in emergency situations. But when I was riding in the back of the ambulance with my mother, who I thought had committed suicide, but she didn't because she slipped and fell, the night before I moved away to college, I, I was telling my therapist the other day, I'm like, I, I don't know why, I was stoic as shit. I was just like, it's going to be okay. And then tomorrow, you're going to move to Penn State. She's okay. She's fine. We're going to get through this. And I just didn't even flinch. And then, you know, five years later, I was like, wait, that sucked. So realizing that what you experienced with trauma is a whole new fate. That, that, that took me a while. And then processing it all took me three years. Because then I would feel guilty about my behavior in certain relationships. And then I would... Then I had to learn to not feel guilty because that's what a child's nervous system develops these strategies that carry on into your adulthood until someone tells you, hey, you don't need these anymore. They don't serve you. But you don't know until you know. Anyway, victims are afraid to feel and say and express. And that's the reason why I talked about this is because there's so many times that I just truly felt tongue tied or I would go to talk and there was just nothing there when I was dating somebody and I wanted to say something. I felt I was disrespected with a friend, with a boyfriend, with anything. I, I couldn't say it. Like it just, the words would not come out. But uh, so, so I was afraid. I was, ex- I was, I was repressing my feelings. But to refrain, and this, this is Don Miguel Ruiz's words, it's not mine. <laughs> to refrain is to hold the emotion and express them at the right time. The warrior has complete control over their emotions and therefore their behavior. And then I love, this is the last I'm going to read from this section. Why not let people know how much you love them? Who cares if they don't love you back? I love that line. Who gives a shit, you guys? If you love somebody, just say it. Don't repeat it over and over because then they're going to get creeped out. But like, and get a restraining order. But like, you know, you fucking know when your behavior is not coming from a place of, uh, of genuine, you know, you know when your heart's speaking and when, uh, another thing is speaking maybe it's some shit because you're fucked up as a kid i don't know whatever it is but you could kind of tell or at least i can kind of tell but can you imagine can you imagine having a crush on another, a person and then and then you date or whatever or whatever you know whatever just imagine that scenario and then i've <laughs> 
couples are always like when couples start dating each other that moment right before the first person says i love you it's like a russian roulette it's just like this duel of like who's gonna say it first as if the person who refrains from saying it first wins you know that's so silly tell someone you love them it's okay and tell someone you love them and not give a shit what they say back they might say i love you they might say go fuck yourself and whatever they say back that's on them you don't need their love because you have all the love that you need in your fucking heart so i'm gonna end this episode on um a reading uh, this is chapter seven, the new dream heaven on earth. I have the audiobook version of the four agreements and I listen to this specific chapter often because it, 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 it excites me, it invigorates me and it just m- fills me up with hope. It's my Jesus if I were Mike Liddell. No, what this chapter is to me is what Jesus is to Mike Liddell. That's a fair assessment. <clears throat> All right, ready? Final thoughts, guys. Final thoughts from Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. Chapter 7, The New Dream, Heaven on Earth. (sighs) Okay. I want you to forget everything you have learned in your whole life. This is the beginning of a new understanding, a new dream. The dream you are living is your creation. It is your perception of reality that you could change at any time. You have the power to create hell, and you have the power to create heaven. Why not dream a different dream? Why not use your mind, your imagination, and your emotions to dream heaven? Just use your imagination and a tremendous thing will happen. Imagine that you have the ability to see the world with different eyes wherever you, whenever you choose. Each time you open your eyes, you see the world around you in a different way. Close your eyes now. Do it, close them. And then open them and look outside. What you will see is love coming out of the trees love coming out of the sky love coming out of the light you will perceive love from everything around you this is the state of bliss you perceive love directly from everything including yourself and other humans even when humans are sad or angry behind these feelings you can see that they are also sending love use your imagination and your new eyes of perception I want you to see yourself living a new life, a new dream, a life where you don't need to justify your existence and you are free to be who you really are. Imagine that you have permission to be happy and to really enjoy your life. Your life is free of conflict with yourself and with others. Imagine living your life without fear of expressing your dreams. You know what you want, what you don't want, and when you want it. You are free to change your life the way you really want to. You are not afraid to ask for what you need, to say yes or no to anything or anyone. Imagine living your life without the fear of being judged by others. No, you no longer rule your behavior according to what others may think of you. You are no longer responsible for anyone's opinion. You have no need to control anyone and no one controls you either. Imagine living your life without judging others. You can easily forgive others and let go of any judgments that you have. You don't have the need to be right and you don't need to make anyone else wrong. You respect yourself and everyone else and they respect you in return. Imagine living life without the fear of loving and not being loved. You are no longer afraid to be rejected and you don't have the need to be accepted. You could say, I love you with no shame or justification. You can walk in the world with your heart completely open 
and not be afraid to be hurt. Hurt. Imagine, this makes me cry every time. Imagine living your life without being afraid to take a risk and explore life. You are not afraid to lose anything. You are not afraid to be alive in the world and you are not afraid to die. Imagine that you love yourself just the way you are. You love your body just the way it is and you love your emotions just the way they are. That felt personal. You know that you are perfect just as you are. The reason I ask you to imagine these things is because they are all entirely possible. You can live in the state of grace, the state of bliss, the dream of heaven. But in order to experience this dream, you must first understand what it is. Only love has the ability to put you in the state of bliss. Being in bliss is like being in love. Being in love is like being in bliss. You are floating in the clouds. You are perceiving love wherever you go. It is entirely possible to live this way all of the time. It is possible because others have done it and they are no different from you. They live in bliss because they have changed their agreements and are dreaming a different dream. Once you feel what it means to live in a state of bliss, you will love it. You will know that heaven on earth is truth, that heaven truly exists. Once you know that heaven exists, once you know it is possible to stay there, it is up to you to make the effort to do it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus told us about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of love, but hardly anyone was ready to hear this. They said, what are you talking about? My heart is empty. I don't feel the love that you are talking about. I don't feel the peace that you have. You don't have to do this. Just imagine that his message of love is possible and you will find that it is yours. But Jesus is the world is very beautiful and very wonderful. Life can be very easy when love is your way of life. You can be loving all of the time. This is your choice. You may not have a reason to love, but you can love because to love makes you so happy. Love in action only produces happiness. Love will give you inner peace. It will change your perception of everything. You can see everything with the eyes of love. You can be aware that there is love all around you. When you live this way, there is no longer a fog in your mind. The mitote has gone on a permanent vacation. This is what humans have been seeking for centuries. For thousands of years, we have been searching for happiness. Happiness is the lost paradise. Humans have worked so hard to reach this point, and this is part of the evolution of the mind. This is the future of humanity. This way of life is possible, and it's in your hands. Moses called it the promised land, Buddha called it nirvana, Jesus called it heaven, and the Toltec call it the new dream. Unfortunately, your identity is mixed with the dream of the planet. All of your beliefs and agreements are there in the fog. You feel the presence of the parasite and believe it is you. This makes it difficult to let go, to release the parasite and create the space to experience love. You are attached to the judge, attached to the victim. Suffering makes you feel safe because you know it so well but there is really no reason to suffer. The only reason you suffer is because you choose to suffer. If you look at your life, you will find many excuses to suffer, but a good reason to suffer you will not find. The same is true for happiness. The only reason you are happy is because you choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice and so is suffering. Maybe we cannot escape from the destiny of the human, but we have a choice to suffer our destiny or to enjoy our destiny, to suffer or to love and be happy to live in hell or to live in heaven. My choice is to live in heaven. What's yours? Guys, I love you all. Congrats on not killing yourself. If you wouldn't mind, 
rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app. I would highly appreciate it very much so because that's what gets me on the charts. Um, I love you all. I hope you're having a safe, sane, okay time during this quarantine. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next Wednesday. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be shamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad, you gotta be.